Hey guys, welcome to United. This is week four, the last week of a series called Stories, where we look at the stories that Jesus told. In the Bible, they're called parables. And a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the reason why Jesus used stories is because he lived in a time where most people could not read or write, and there were not books. And so the best way, or the only way that stuff really got passed along was through conversations. And he knew that if he told stories, he could explain the things of God and explain who God was in a way that people could remember and share with other people. And so tonight we're going to look at two more stories that are both very similar in what they say about prayer. And uh, so we'll get started with a word of prayer, um, and then we will, we will look at them. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray that as we look at these two stories, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to what your Holy Spirit has to speak to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and tell us exactly what we need and that these stories will not just go in one ear and out the other, but that it will make us um, better at praying and and more consistent with praying and and understanding of what prayer is um, and that we would apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke 11, verse... Luke 11, verse 5. The disciples had noticed over the years that Jesus prayed in a way that they weren't familiar with. Like they had never really seen someone pray in the way Jesus prayed. And so finally they're like, Jesus, like, can you teach us how to pray? Can you teach us how to pray like you do? And so he teaches them what we now call the the Lord's Prayer. And then he tells them a story. And it starts in verse 5. He says, suppose one of you has a friend. And I've always thought this is kind of funny because it's like, like most people have at least one friend. And he's like, let's just play imagine, imagination. Like, suppose you had a friend. He says, suppose you have a friend and, and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now, now let, me, let me stop there for a second. Midnight to us is not a big deal. It's like, oh, uh, like I stay up till midnight every night. Like, who cares? Like I text people at midnight. We have social media 24 hours a day. We have TV 24 hours a day. We can, we can be awake as long as we want. We have electricity. It doesn't matter when the sun goes down. Um, I'm sure there have been times where you've gone to someone's house at midnight, where they've come to your house at midnight, where you haven't even been home at midnight. Like, like midnight's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of staying up late. So when we hear midnight, we're like, eh, uh, no big deal. Stand that the time that they lived in was, was far different than ours because they didn't have electricity. They lived along with the sun rising and the sun setting. And in fact, they, they still live that way in many cultures today. When we go um, in the past, when we've gone to, to Panama and we go up into these mountains, many places have no electricity. They're living in huts and, 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 and when the sun goes down, it's just dark. And it's not just dark, it's like pitch black. When there's no street lights, when there's no uh, uh, electricity, when like it's just pitch black. Like you can't see your hand in front of your face. And so when the sun goes down, the day's over. At eight o'clock, you've eaten, you've showered, you're in bed. You can't read, you can't watch TV, and so you just go to sleep. And you live according to the sun. And so you wake up at 5.30 a.m., but, but you've already had like nine hours of sleep, so it's really not that big of a deal because you, you were, you know, you got plenty of sleep. And, and, uh, and so you just wake up and you have to get started with your day because the day is gonna be over as soon as the sun goes down. And so you have limited time to work. And so they lived in the same way. And so the day was literally over when the sun went down. People went to bed. So 12 o'clock is like the middle of the night. For us, it's just staying up late. For them, it's the middle of the night. It would be kind of like 3.30 a.m. here. Like at 3.30 a.m., even if you stayed out late, like 
you're probably in bed. You're probably asleep. And so it is the middle of the night. Pitch black. Nothing's going on. And you go to your friend and you say, please, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. So, so in this culture, when you, um, when you had a friend show up, even if it was unexpected, you were supposed to put something in front of them. You were supposed to give them a meal. You were supposed to welcome them in. And so, so, so you realize, oh my gosh, I've got nothing to give them. This would be like very embarrassing. And so, so you're like, uh, I guess it's the middle of the night, but I, I guess I have to go ask someone for some loaves of bread. So you go over to your friend's house. It's the middle of the night. You start knocking on the door. And suppose the one inside answers. Don't bother me. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. It's the middle of the night. The kids are asleep. And, and Karen and I are, are a little bit more sensitive uh, or in tune with this, this, this guy than we used to be because we have an eight-month-old baby. Like when we put her to sleep, we want her to stay asleep. And so we don't want anything to get in the way of that. Like we've learned where we are to walk on our floor so that the boards don't creak, so that she doesn't wake up. I have like these ankles that crack like crazy. And I've had times where like my ankles crack as I'm walking out and she wakes up. And I'm like, oh, like why? And so like I've learned how to like waddle out like a penguin and not make my ankles crack. And so, so like we, we've learned how to keep her asleep. In fact, when I got home from work one day this week, there was a note on the door. I'm like, why is there a note on the door? And I go up and look at it and it's a handwritten note from my wife who's like officially in mom mode. And she's like, do not knock or ring the doorbell. Like, don't wake up my baby. Like, or we're gonna have a problem. And so she put up a note on the door because this is important. Like, like you, once the baby's asleep, you don't want them to wake up. So it's the middle of the night. And this man is in bed with his kids. And most people at this time had one-room houses. They all slept in the same room, maybe even in the same bed. And so, like, for you to get up with lights on because they're back in the back of the house in their own room asleep. I can make a meal. Like, I can have friends over. It's, no, it's not that big of a deal because we have these big homes. But they didn't. And so for him to get up would wake up his entire Family, but, but I've always thought it's a little bit funny because he's having this conversation. The guy's knocking on his door. He's talking through him, through, to him through the door, uh, presumably pretty loud. I'm pretty sure everybody's awake by now, uh, but I don't know. So he's always like, he's like, I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not crawling over my kids. I'm not waking them up. Verse eight continues. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship. So he's not gonna give it to you because he loves you, because you go way back, because you're homeboys. He's not gonna do it for that reason. Yet, because of your shameless audacity, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Not because you're friends, but because you got up in the middle of the night and you knocked on his door. It was shameless. Like you had no shame in this. Like you were like, just come on, open up, give me some bread. And you can imagine, he, he, he says no, he, he puts his head back down on his pillow, and he's like, gosh, man, he got up in the middle of the night. He lit his lantern. He walked down the street. He knocked on my door, knowing that I'm in bed. Like, like that, that, he must be desperate. And so because he is desperate, the friend gets up and says, take what you need. I know that you must really need some help if you would come to me in the middle of the night. So Jesus continues, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you pray, God listens. And God answers. It's a promise in scripture. That when we ask, when we knock, when we seek, he will respond. And then he continues and he, he, he speaks to the fathers in the room. He says, which of you fathers, and all the, all the fathers perk up. They're like, okay, he's talking to me now. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? And they'd all be like, no, 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 we would never do that. See, a snake represented death. The snake was evil. A snake could kill. They didn't have hospitals. They didn't have anti-venom. Like, you didn't want to mess with a snake. Then he continues, what if your kid asks for an egg? Will you give him a scorpion? Once again, no, we would never give our child a scorpion. And now that Jesus has him, he says, so if you, though you are evil, and he's not really calling them evil here. He's basically saying like, even though you're human, even though you're imperfect, even though you sin, if you as a human father know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if imperfect parents can give good gifts. Why wouldn't a perfect God? And here's something else we need to understand. That because God knows all things, understands all things, has complete wisdom and knowledge, because he knows the past, the present, and the future, because he knows you intimately, he will say yes less than your human parents. He will say yes less than your friends. Here's why. Because Imperfect parents will answer in an imperfect way. For instance, I, I do it because she wants it or because, because it, it'll get her to stop crying. That's because I'm imperfect. God, who is perfect in knowledge, will say, no, that's not best for you. I'm not going to give it to you. And so it makes sense that since he knows everything, a lot of times our human requests, many times our selfish requests, are, are, are going to be answered no or wait because he knows what's best for us. He has something better for us. And so we have to understand that when we're going to God with our prayers. He's listening, he'll answer, but sometimes, a lot of times, we may not get the answer we want because he is a perfect, all-knowing God. Now I want you to turn over to Luke 18. Luke 18, he's gonna tell a very similar story. And actually verse one is gonna tell us why he's telling the story. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable, a story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Before he even starts the story, The Bible gives us the reason for the story so that we will always pray and not give up. So as we read this, think about this. This is showing us that we should always pray and not give up. So Jesus says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. So he doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about God, but he's got power. This is the worst kind of man. He is a jerk. He is evil. He is unjust, but he's got power to do what he wants. So imagine uh, someone comes to him, a friend comes to him, and they say, hey, you should really help out this family. And he's like, nah, I don't want to. Well, they really need the help. They can really use it. I don't care about them. Well, you know, uh, everybody else thinks you should do it. Like, we all agree. Like, like, these people deserve your help. Well, I don't care what you think. I don't care what any of you think. Well, everyone's going to hate you. I, I don't care. Well, and, and then they appeal to God. It's like, well, but, but, but God says, whoa, I, I don't care about God, the judge says. I don't care what... God has to say, I don't even believe in God. So there's no way to convince this man to do what you want him to do. 
because he doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about God. He is a jerk, full of himself, but also in power. And there was a widow in that town. Let's stop there for a second. Widows, as, as many of you may know, is a woman whose husband has died. And so that's a very sad thing. But in this time, it was a death sentence in a lot of situations. Because in this culture, men ruled the world. Like men were the ones that made money. Men were the ones that protected. Men were the ones that had social status and legal status. Men were the ones that provided for the family. Women were like second-class citizens. This is why, this is why it's so amazing the way Jesus treats women and talks to women, the way he treats children and talks to children, the way he treats other races, because nobody else did that. That was not the culture. Like we just read it like, oh yeah, he had a conversation with some woman at the well. Like this was a huge deal because he spoke in a way that gave everybody equal value. Like that came from Jesus. But again, a woman, once her husband had died, was, was in a bad situation. She could not make money. She had no protection. She could not provide. And so many times she'd be homeless. She'd be a beggar. She'd be a prostitute. This was the only way she could survive. People could take advantage of her. People could do whatever they wanted. She had no husband. And in fact, this is why there's this law in Israel, and we think it's super weird. But, but, but when we understand how, how powerless widows were, we, we, we kind of start to understand the law. The law was if a man died, his brother, if he had one, was to marry his widow. And we think, marry his sister-in-law? That's weird. What, what, if, he already had a husband, what if he already had a wife? Well, eh, most of the time they did. So he would take on a second wife. And we think that, that's strange. The reason was because if he did not take the widow, if he did not take responsibility for his brother's wife, she could die. The kids could die. They would have no protection. They would have no money, food. Like they would have nothing. And so it was actually, a, and helped the family. And that was why the law existed. So, so, so widows had no power. They had no standing. They had no hope when their husband died. Their only hope maybe was that the law could protect them. But the law at this time was not the way the law is in our country today. And unfortunately, this woman lives in a town where the judge doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about the little widow. He doesn't care about families. He doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care what anybody thinks or what God thinks. And so she is kind of out of luck. But she kept coming to the judge with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Now, we don't know what her problem was, but presumably like somebody had taken advantage of her and she needed the help of the law. And everybody probably told her, uh, you got no hope. Sorry, sister, you live in the wrong town. This judge ain't gonna help you. And she said, well, this is my only hope. I have no other option. And so she kept coming to the judge saying, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time, he refused, as we would expect. But she kept going to him. She kept bothering him. And finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, I don't care about this widow. I don't care about her situation. Yet because she keeps bothering me, she's annoying me. She's getting on my 
nerves. I will see that she gets justice. And then he adds this little note, which is very interesting. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. Apparently, this widow had gone crazy. Like, he was scared for his life. Like, this, the Greek word for this phrase that, that, that she won't come and attack me literally means to, to make someone black and blue with bruises. It's like a boxing term. Like, to, to punch someone, to hurt them. It also means to give intolerable annoyance. Y'all have experienced that before. If you have a younger sibling that wants something, they just keep pestering you, annoying you, annoying you, annoying you. And you're like, fine, just take it. Just stop bothering me. This is the situation this man is in. He's like, fine, fine, fine. I'll give you justice. Just quit bothering me. Man, I don't know what this woman's gonna do. You, you could see him talking to his friends like, she might kill me. She might come after me. Imagine he'd wake up in the morning. She'd be outside his window. Give me justice. He's going to lunch. She sits down at his table. Give me justice. She makes up signs. She's holding it through his window. Give me justice. She goes to court, fills out paperwork, goes to court every single day, walks next to him on the street. He's finally like, gosh, just, I've got, my, my life will not be normal until I get rid of this woman. So I'm gonna give her justice. He wasn't willing to do it because he cared. He was willing to do it because she pushed him. So Jesus says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Well, what he's saying is, when I come back, like, am I going to find faith? Am I going to find hope-filled people? Am I going to find persistent people, people that are pushing, people that are trusting, people that are believing? Or am I going to find a bunch of people that have given up? Am I going to find a bunch of persistent widows or a bunch of people who have lost hope? And lost faith. And I think we listen to this story and we're like, so is God like an unjust judge? Is he evil? Is God like a lazy friend that won't get out of bed? Is God like an imperfect parent who doesn't always do what's best for his child? Jesus isn't comparing God to any of those, but he's contrasting them. He's saying, if an unjust judge, if an imperfect parent, if a selfish friend will help someone because they come and ask, then how much more will a perfect love for his children? Here's the point Jesus is making. Our God is a loving father who knows what is best for us and answers prayers. Our God is a loving father who always knows what is best for us in every situation and he answers prayers. It's very important for us to understand when we pray, he's listening, he cares, he wants what's best for us. But as we know, we can't control God and we don't wanna control God or else then we become God and that's not good. We can't control God's response, but we can control our requests. We can't control God's response, but we can control our requests. And what is Jesus saying in both of these stories? He's saying, ask again and again and again, have shameless audacity, have persistence. Here's, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Am I willing to work for the miracle? Am I willing to work for the answered prayer? Am I willing to push for the miracle? Or do I just give up? I know a lot of times for me, I pray, and I don't pray for a while. I ask, and I don't ask for a while. I don't, I don't ask with much emotion. I, I, I'm very, it's very just like a checklist. And I have to wonder for myself, am I willing to work for the miracle? 
Because sometimes, I think a lot of times we just want a magic trip, trick. We want a genie in the bottle, God. We rub the bottle, we rub the lamp. He, he pops out, your wish is my command. And we're like, uh, God, give me a car. And it just, poof, it's there. God, give me a girlfriend. Woo, there she is. God, give me a job. Give me the college I want. And it's there. That's what we want. You know what we really want? We want an Amazon Prime God. We want an Amazon Prime God. I don't have to get out of bed. I don't have to put on clothes. I just open up my computer. I search for what I want and I click. And it's here in two days, free shipping. And I deserve it, don't I? I paid $50 a year. I am special. I deserve my two-day free shipping on select items. And if I can't get it, I don't really want it. I don't really want it. That's what we want. We want Amazon Prime, God. God, give it to me right now. I'm gonna do a one-time click and I want it on my doorstep. Come on, come on, God, where you at? That's how we pray. But don't you know that if we got what we wanted right when we wanted it, we just want something else. God, help me with this test. There's another test next week. And we forget that he helped us. We want help with the next. Give me a car and then we want something better. Give me a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then we want someone else. Help me get into this college and then it's about the next job or about the next internship. Like, like help me in this situation. Heal my friend and then it's like, oh, well, someone else is sick and I forget about that. I take them for granted and I just move on to the next thing. Help me with finances. And then it's like, oh, I get a little bit extra money. I get what I want, then I'm done. Help me with this sin. And then we move on to another sin. We forget that God even helped us. That's what would happen if we just got what we wanted when we wanted it. But maybe God wants us to be persistent to help us. Because here's what God knows. If we just get what we want, we'll just depend on ourselves. We'll think we don't need God. We'll begin to say things like, man, look how smart I am. I got an A. Look how good at sports I am. Scored a touchdown. Scored 25 points. Had three goals. I'm good. Look at my hot girlfriend and my hot boyfriend. Man, I must be good looking. I must be so charming. And it's all about us. I overcame that sin. I overcame that temptation. I worked hard for that. And we begin to put it all on ourselves. We don't recognize God. We don't draw close to God. But God knows something. He knows that if we have to press in in prayer, that if we have to push in prayer, if we have to pray hard and pray long, that when we finally get what we ask for or recognizing him or praising him, and in fact, we will be closer to him and we will draw near to him and not to what he gives us. See, we just get what we want. We just want him for our, his stuff. We want him for his prayers that he answers. But God understands those things aren't gonna make us happy. The only thing that will make us happy is him. And so in persistence, we have to draw near to him. And when we get what we want, we cannot stop recognizing and thanking and praising him. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to work for the miracle? Are you willing to pray all night? A lot of times we say, oh yeah, I've been praying for a while. Uh, Have you really? Are we willing to pray every day? Are we willing to get on our knees and cry out to God? Is there any emotion in it? Is there any desperation in it? Do we really come to God daily or is it just a checklist every once in a while? Oh God, help me with this. Uh, throw, throw, out a, throw out a Hail Mary. Like, like, are we praying hard? Do we pray out loud? Do we pray bold prayers? Are we sharing our prayers with our friends or do they think, uh, they're gonna think it's stupid? Are we writing down our prayers? Are we remembering our 
prayers? Are we willing to fast for our prayers to seek an answer? What are we willing to do in prayer? And I'm not saying we, we earn God's answered prayers. What I'm saying is, are we willing to really ask? Are we willing to be like the friend who did something crazy and got up in the middle of the night to ask his friend? Are we willing to be like the woman who did something crazy every single day and made this man think, I've got a fear for my life. Imagine how many people told her, man, this is ridiculous. Just go back to begging. Just sell yourself. That's, you've got more of a chance there than asking this guy for help. How many times do people make fun of her? Do people ridicule her? How many times do people say, you gotta stop asking? Was it months? Was it years before she got her justice? And then we ask one time, we're like, okay, God, where you at? Give me what I want. Come on, help me right now. We've got to look at whether we're actually willing to put in the work when it comes to our prayer life. Are we actually going to believe? Are we going to push? Are we going to have shameless audacity? Are we going to be persistent? Because here's the truth. If, if you're not tired of praying about it, if you're not tired of praying about it, then you probably aren't being persistent. If you don't pray a prayer and think, gosh, I'm so sick of praying this prayer. I'm so sick of asking God for this. I'm so, so sick of not hearing an answer. I'm so sick of saying the same prayer over and over again. If you haven't reached that point, probably not being persistent. You're probably not being persistent. So here's a question for you to ask yourself, am I praying about it or am I just thinking and worrying about it? Am I praying about it or am I just thinking and worrying about it? See, a lot of times we think we're praying, but we're really just thinking about it. We're really just worrying about it. We think, oh, well, well I have a relationship with God. He knows what I think. So, so really I have been praying about it. No, you haven't. Imagine if this friend sat, sat there and just thought, oh, I wonder what would happen if I went and asked him for, for bread. Let me just think about it for a while. Let me worry about, it. oh, I don't have any bread. He would have never gotten bread. Imagine if the woman said it, sat on the roadside every day and thought, oh, I wish the judge would help me. One time, two years ago, I wonder if my paperwork got lost. No, if she just thought, sat there and thought about it and worried about it, she never would have gotten an answer. She had to ask. And we've got to ask. We've got to pray. We've got to be persistent. Thinking about it, wanting something, being sad, being mad. That's not prayer. That's just worry. Are you praying about it? Or are you just thinking about it and worrying about it? And here's what I've heard a pastor say before. If you worry a lot, you could be a great prayer. Because all you have to do is every time you worry, turn it into a prayer. Turn your worries into prayers. Start worrying about a conversation, something at work. Sometimes I do this and sometimes I'll just be like, man, I've been worrying about this for two weeks. Why don't I just start praying about it? And I'll start to pray about it. And I'll start to get peace. And I'll know that God is working on it. Worrying doesn't do anything. Thinking doesn't do anything. But I start praying. And I'm doing something. I'm asking God for it. I'm being persistent. I'm going to him. Turn your worries into prayers. Here's the bottom line. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going to God with your prayers. Keep going to God with your prayers. I know many of you have been, been praying for a friend to come to know Jesus or come to United. I know a lot of you have been, been, been praying for someone to be healed. Maybe you're praying for financial struggles in your family. Maybe you're, maybe you're praying for your parents' relationship. Maybe you're praying for your relationship with your parents. 
Maybe you're praying for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe you're praying about a relationship with a friend. Maybe you're praying about academics. Maybe you're praying about sports. Maybe you're praying about work. Maybe you're praying about uh, a car. Maybe you're praying about uh, um, someone who's, who's hurting you or bullying you. Maybe you're praying about a social situation. Maybe you're praying about something that's pressuring you or some stress. Keep praying about it. Don't quit. Remember what Jesus said. Am I going to find faith-filled people? People that are hope-filled, people that are continuing to ask? Or am I gonna find a bunch of people who gave up? Jesus says, be like the widow. Be like the friend. Have shameless audacity. Have persistence. Push and push. Ask and ask. Continue to go to God. Continue asking for what you want. And trust that he loves you, that he's listening, that he will answer, and that he will do what is best for you. Don't give up on that prayer. Don't give up on that miracle. Keep on working, keep on pressing, keep on pushing. Let me pray for you and pray for me. I know I need prayer for this. Like this is something, man, so many of my prayers are just checklists and I'm not really praying with desperation. I need prayer for this as well. I need God to help me be a shameless and persistent prayer. So I'm gonna pray that over myself. I'm gonna pray it over you guys. Pray that the spirit will help us in our prayer life. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will work in our lives, that you will make us faith-filled and hope-filled people, that we will trust in you, that we will know that you love us, that we will know that you're a heavenly father that cares for us and listens to our prayers and answers our prayers. Help us not be so concerned with our agenda, but help us realize that you have a plan, that you want what's best for us, that you are a loving father who wants what's best for his children. Help us be persistent. Help us be shameless. Help us pray bold prayers. Help us pray hard. Help us pray with emotion. Help us pray every day. Help us be willing to put in the work in prayer to see the miracle and to see the answered prayer. And help us trust you no matter what. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen.